0: Welcome to The Gospel According to with Ryan and Mike, a conversation designed to explore what makes the gospel good news in various books and topics of the Bible. So, Mike, whenever we finished off our last discussion of Isaiah 43 through 44, we had a promise that was given. In Isaiah 43, verse 26, I say of Jerusalem, she will be lived in and of the cities of Judah, they will be rebuilt. I will restore their ruins. And this is the overarching promise of Isaiah 40 through 55 is the restoration of Israel to the land. Mm -hmm. God is powerful over the idols, the nations, we still have this assembly that hasn't been resolved quite yet. So here we have the servant, we have Israel, we have the land, we have the nations, a lot of different people that are involved in this great poem. And now we are going to get to Cyrus, or as Mm -hmm. the CJB says it, Koresh, Cyrus, Mm -hmm why in the world is cyrus so important now and introduced as the anointed in 45 verse 1
1: yeah so so if we again keep in mind this larger context that begins back in chapter 40 this is a message of comfort to those in exile and that message of comfort is grounded in the promise of restoration and return or, or return and restoration <clears throat> there's you know at least a couple levels on which we see that working out in 40 through 55 one is maybe historically on the ground in the way the persian king cyrus would defeat the babylonians and open up the return of the exiles and make way for the rebuilding of jerusalem and that sort of stuff the yeah let me let me, let me know what
0: you just said because that's just really important let's get our nations yeah. in line here so yeah. If you remember, of course, like in the book of Daniel, the different nations that arise, we have Babylon. So Mm -hmm. Nebuchadnezzar, namely, who had taken Jerusalem into captivity in 586. Mm -hmm. Babylon had been the major world player. In the ancient Near East, while Israel is in captivity, yeah. Cyrus is then a Persian king who arises, yeah. and Correct. he is going to defeat the Babylonians, and he mm-hmm. is the one who is going to bring about this return. So, I just want to make sure we yeah. get our nation here yeah.
1: as we talk. Absolutely, about yeah. And so you've got that as sort of a his, you know, kind of a more on the ground historical layer, and then you've got um, this other figure that we already talked about, this servant who was introduced, the servant that's, that's, you know, Israel's a servant, um, but there's a servant figure introduced in 42. We'll see him again in 49 and 50, who is more than Israel, who's this representative of Israel, who's restoring Israel, and restoring the vocation of Israel and all these sorts of things. And so what we're going to see in this storyline of Cyrus and what God would do through Cyrus is ultimately going to be us the storyline of the gospel. But so we come to chapter 45 and what we're told, we're introduced to Cyrus and his mission and we're going to see that God will restore the glory of Zion, the glory of Zion through Cyrus and 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 somehow through this even the pagan nations are going to come to bow in allegiance to God. Okay, so that's that's the big picture of 45. Um, why don't we walk through this and see this sort of play out a little bit in the text? Um, if if you look at the first three verses, you know, it's this sort of build-up introduction to, to Cyrus, he's introduced as God's anointed, um his Messiah, so to speak. Um and and we see the 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 victory and the the conquest that he will accomplish that God will accomplish for him or through him um and yet if you look at verse 4 we see all this is for the sake of Jacob my servant and Israel my chosen one right Cyrus is being exalted Cyrus is being victorious but he is an agent he is an instrument of God to accomplish this for the sake of his his own people his servant israel and yet you look at verse 6 through this this will bring about the knowledge of god to people all over the world he says that that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun that there is no one besides me there i am the lord there is no other the one forming light creating darkness causing well-being creating calamity i am the lord i am adonai who does all these things so that's the basic setup for, for Cyrus. Okay.
0: Yeah. Well um, I have very little yeah. to add to that. Go ahead.
1: Okay. Um, and then I, while we're here, I just want to pause on verse eight, because this in context is beautiful. This is, this is a, a little blessing you could pull out and, and just own as your own prayer. But I, I love this statement drip down. O heavens from above and let the clouds pour down righteousness but the earth open up and salvation bear fruit and righteousness spring up with it. I, the Lord have created it. So we've seen this language before in connection with the spirit as God would, it just as rain pours down from heaven. So God would pour out his spirit. Now we're seeing this language applied to these blessings of God, righteousness and salvation. And God calls them down from heavens, like a, like a rainstorm bringing this, idea of righteousness. And again, righteousness here is the idea of God making things right, taking all that's wrong, all that's upside down, all that's twisted and, and making it right, rescuing his people, saving his people and making things right. And so again, I just, I love verse eight.
0: Yeah, you said, um, let me relish. keep reading. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I thought you might uh,
1: pick up on, on that anyway. Um, so then as, as, the text moves on. There's this warning. Um, woe, you know, woe to those who challenge the maker, in, in, in essence, right? Here are these, these pieces of pottery um who challenges the potter. Um, the, the child born who challenges the parent who gave birth to them, right? Um, and so there's this warning against challenging God. Now we see the picture of his sovereignty. He's the creator in verse 12. He's also sovereign over history in verse 13 again he's called Cyrus he's he's making his way smooth and he will build his city and he will let the exiles go free um and so again wanting to just ground that god is going to do this work but then i we get to to 14 through 17 and like i do s- want
0: to make one note about yeah. this one, because this, this this is a very theological note
1: here yeah
0: Paul is going to draw from this analogy in Romans 9. And yeah. oftentimes, Romans 9 is read as the inflexibility of the potter.
1: Mm. Sure.
0: But I think whenever you look at what's actually going on in the context here, it's not about the inflexibility of the potter, mm-hmm. it's about the commitment of the potter. Sure. Yeah. Because whenever you notice, especially verse 11, you ask for signs concerning my children. You give orders concerning the work of my hands. I am the one who made it. I created human beings on it. What God is doing through this metaphor is reminding, especially Israel, of his covenant commitment to them. Yeah, absolutely. And even here, God is a flexible potter because his people have rebelled against him and they have ended up in captivity because of their idolatry. But God is not... Ardently refusing to listen to his people, but mm-hmm. rather God is listening and responding to his people here. Yeah. And so I do think it's a very important note that this metaphor in Romans 9 needs to be read contextually, not yeah. about the horrid inflexibility of God, but rather it's about the covenant commitment of
1: God. Yeah. Yeah. One of the themes that rings out to me in, in this section, the next couple chapters as well, is just God's devotion to Israel, right? That that idea of devotions just jumps out to me so much, and that that ties in so well with what you just said.
0: Yeah, and sometimes we'll work through Romans 9 through 11 again and try to demonstrate why that's important, but I do yeah. really think that that's important to understand as you get into Romans 9, or else you can end up with all types of theological problems as you try yeah. to work through that text. So uh, take us then yeah. on, on to verse yeah. 14.
1: So so then we've just seen in verse 13 okay the exiles are free the city is rebuilt then we get to 14 and we see these foreign nations subjected to God's people uh almost as servants or slaves um bowing down making supplication to them but notice what they say at the very end of verse 14 surely God is with you and there is none else no other god so through this this work that God has done through Cyrus just as he said back in verse 4 and verse 6 through this work that God has done through Cyrus to uh defeat the Babylonians res- return the exiles restore Zion to glory it's led people to recognize God among them right so so even though Cyrus's name he's not the star of this show, right? He, you know, he's this channel through whom God is, is working. God's the one who's doing all these things and God's recognized by these, these nations. And so um, others are put to shame, but verse 17, Israel has been saved by the Lord with an everlasting salvation. They will not be put to shame or humiliated forever. Um, And so then the, the, this chapter sort of zooms out, and anticipate something that, as we were talking earlier, will will come into fullness and the foreground once we get to chapter fifty-four and fifty-five. But it's anticipated here, and it's in, envisioned here. We give a glimpse of it here in verse twenty. God calls these pagan nations to Himself to come to gather, um, and and in verse twenty-two to turn to him, to receive salvation. I'll read that. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other, right? Israel needed to learn the lesson that the idols have no power and cannot save them. The pagan nations need to learn the same lesson, and God graciously offers that teaching to them. In verse 23, I've sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness and will not turn back. That to me, every knee will bow, every tongue will swear. They will say of me, Only in the Lord, only in Adonai are righteousness and strength. Men will come to him, and all who were angry at him will come to him in shame. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel will be justified and will glory. So we see the glory of Israel, and yet even these pagan nations are invited to turn to God to receive salvation and to bow in allegiance to him. So that's 45. Anything else you want to say there?
0: Yeah, two quick notes. The first is theological, and the second is plot-wise. Plot first, theologically, verse 23 should sound familiar to those familiar with the New Testament, because who possibly may quote this in the New Testament?
1: Yeah, Paul in Philippians 2.
0: Yeah, you know, in Philippians 2, the Apostle Paul is channeling, and I think quoting from Isaiah 45, and Mm -hmm. in doing so, he is demonstrating that it is the name of Jesus Jesus, as Richard Bauckham would say, is within the very divine identity. Jesus Mm -hmm. is within the very essence of Yahweh. And so I do Mm -hmm. think it's, again, just another great echo to note in Philippians 2. It adds that text to another height. The second is Mm plot-wise. One thing that you and I have tried to talk through, Mike, even before we recorded is how is Isaiah 45 pushing the plot forward? Mm -hmm. And I think what Isaiah 45 is doing is reminding us that Yes, God is going to work in human history through Cyrus to stir up the nations, restore his people, bring Israel back, restore Jerusalem, but ultimately let us not forget that God is the one who is doing this. Yeah. Even though God has not yet revealed himself because thou art a God who hides himself. It's one of Fleming Rutledge's favorite verses in the whole Bible. Whenever whenever you know what's going on here, God has not yet revealed himself, but Even through Cyrus, it's known God is with him. Mm -hmm. And so God will one day reveal himself through the person of Jesus Christ. But even in Cyrus, God is working and God is, his righteousness is bringing about the restoration of his people. Absolutely. So now I'm ready for 46. Take us through it. Okay.
1: Yeah. Well, um, now we're back to thinking about the relationship between Yahweh, um, the other gods and Israel in the midst of all this. And so we see um, the, the basic message of 46, if you want to distill it in, into single line, as 46 tells us other gods cannot deliver, but Yahweh will bring righteousness and salvation to Zion. Right. And the, and the way that, that he unpacks that is really, I, I find really powerful. We're introduced to, uh, these Babylonian gods, Bel and Nebo in verse one. And you can see how, or you can imagine how when um, Jerusalem was destroyed and the people were taken off into exile, how how the people would pray, the people of Babylon would praise their gods and profane the name of, of Yahweh, right? Because clearly Yahweh could not Overcome the Babylonian gods, right? And so that would have been the the, the narrative surrounding the destruction of Jerusalem and the, the the victory of the Babylonians. And yet, here in chapter forty six, we see no; those gods have been brought down. They're the ones that are now bowing. Um, and 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 as we've seen in Isaiah, and and we pictured these idols as just inanimate blocks of wood and metal. These are images. These are idols that are being carried, carried by Israel, carried by beasts of burden, um, unable to to rescue. Uh, They themselves are now into captivity. And yet in three through four, we're going to see. Not God, not Yahweh being carried, but Yahweh doing the carrying. He's picking up his people and he's carrying them. Uh, and he's carrying them from their birth all the way into their old age and gray hair. And so this we're going to hear verse four, even to your old age, I will be the same. Even to your graying years, I will bear you. I have done it. I will carry you and I will bear you and I will deliver you. Right. Bell and Nebo can do nothing. God is doing everything and doing it with such grace and compassion and love for His people. And so, in four, five through seven, you can compare God to no one. There, there, there's there's no other God to whom you can compare Him to. And then what we see is He's the God who tells us what's going to happen, and it happens. He fulfills His foreordained purposes, and so we see what that is in verse thirteen. I bring near my righteousness. It is not far off. My salvation will not delay. I will grant salvation in Zion and my glory for Israel. So we're back to it. The right making of God, the saving work of God, glory for Israel. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Take us,
0: Mike, through Isaiah 45 and 46 are not just looking at Cyrus, but they are also looking beyond Cyrus. Mm-hmm. How is that happening here in this text?
1: Yeah. So, so I mean, and that's what I was saying at the beginning with this idea of there's, there's sort of an maybe on the ground historical narrative of Cyrus defeating Israel's enemies, their oppressors, the people going free, being released from their exile and returned to their home, the, the Zion is being rebuilt and restored to glory. And through this work of judgment and salvation, all the nations are brought in, right? All uh, uh, the nations are, I said that incorrectly. The nations are are learning of God and coming to give allegiance to him, right? You know, if I took out the name Cyrus, I've just preached the gospel, right. right? So, so this this on the ground historical narrative is setting up the basic plot structure of what God is going to do through His ultimate servant, through the Messiah, to overthrow oppressors, to redeem and rescue and bring righteousness to His people, um, to restore them to glory even to the ends of the earth and um, uh, uh, ushering in joy and peace, shalom, right. Justice and righteousness. And some of those things will be developed further. Uh, but, but yeah, this, the Cyrus story is basically giving us the basic moves of the gospel story.
0: Well said anything else before I close this out? No, that's good. Yeah. So I, I, I think the way I would say it is, I think, Cyrus is being portrayed as a literary foil to the servant, Mm. where a foil is a figure that is similar enough to the protagonist, but different enough to demonstrate the protagonist's strengths. So so what you have here with Cyrus is he's this one raised from the east in 41 is introduced as one who is trampling down nations. And yet the servant is introduced as one who will not even break a reed. Yeah, absolutely. But both of them are working to bring about the restoration of Zion and the conversion of the nations. Mm-hmm. So what I think is similar in them is their goal. The goal that God is using them for is the conversion of the nations and the restoration of Zion. But what's going to be different, and this is going to be very important as we start working through more of the servant songs, are the means. Yeah, the Means of Cyrus are very different from the methods of the servant.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, God is at God is at work for for the same ends through both. But yes, the, the 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 figures through whom God works are are very different.
0: Exactly. And that's why I think he is shouting in 46:13, I am bringing my justice nearer. Mm-hmm. It is not far away. My salvation will not be delayed. Cyrus's work is not going to be the final thing. Yeah. God is restoring his people to the land, but still his righteousness needs to come. Yeah. And that is, of course, going to be through the person of Jesus Christ.
1: And I wonder if that, if that's part of, you know, why we're even seeing here, God is the one who's doing all this, right? Cyrus's name, but God is the one acting through him. Um, and yet, when we're talked about the servant, we see his own... Agency, so to speak, the way he submits himself, the way he thought. serves God's purpose. Yeah, it's
0: a great thought. Yeah, that's a great thought. So, if we could summarize it, perhaps we could say, God is working through Cyrus to restore His people, mm-hmm. but the servant is God mm, working yeah. to restore His people.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Thanks for listening to the Gospel According To podcast. If you have any questions about what you heard today, please send us a voice message. We would really love to hear from you. Make sure you follow us on social media, subscribe, and click the bell to get notified when we drop a new episode. Until next time, and for all time, your God reigns.